This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hi guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host as always, Steve Hall, and I'm welcomed again by Lee Peel uh, on by popular demand. And I definitely wanted to get Lee back on a lot of you. Uh, it was the first time you'd heard of Lee, which is fantastic. And now hopefully you've been following her more so and she's been doing more and more work. And we're going to be talking about some really exciting things in this episode. Um, so how are you doing, Lee? You, you well? I am doing very well. Thank you for having me back and for using the term by popular demand. That's really, um, that starts me off on a good note. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, we, the feedback we got last time was really, really positive and I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, Lee's a great speaker and very, very kind of interesting and well-educated and has a lot of experience. So, um, we'll be sharing more of that with you today. So the first thing I wanted to get into with Lee, um, and we've had a lot of requests because the podcast is, I mean, you'll know just the audience and I mean, the content that's put out is often towards males. Um, a lot of the research is done on males. A lot of the uh, kind of the smart people in the industry seem to be males. It's kind of a male dominated field. So um, we have a lot of female listeners and they definitely want more kind of content towards them. And I know that's not the only thing that you do and probably um, any female kind of people within the industry probably get this a lot where they have specific female kind of questions. But um, it's definitely an area that I think you'd really be able to help within, especially because of your kind of specific knowledge and psychology and that sort of thing. And the first one that I wanted to talk about was kind of how to sell the bulking or massing mentality to women. Um, I know there's men who struggle with the same thing, but specifically women kind of obviously uh, social media has a lot of pressure on them and um, it can be very difficult. And we know it's probably necessary at some stage or potentially definitely beneficial. So uh, I'll let you go. Yeah, it's it's always an interesting topic. I've been talking about this topic for so many years now. And um, I think the most important important thing. And, and I, I want to caveat and say that I, I am a proponent of anything that anybody wants to do, you know, in physique training wise. Um, and, and there's, there's a lot in social media and um, especially the mainstream media f- towards women, um, that anti everything, you know, anti bulking, anti dieting, anti this, anti that, you know, love yourself for who you are. Um, you know, strong is the new beautiful, uh, thin is the new scary, you know, it's, Uh, it's, there's so many, there's so many people in conversation in the middle of it. And, um, what I always like to do with my clients when I talk to them or the people that I'm working with is one of the first things that I kind of step back and I say, I, I say, who inspires you? Who are your role models? You know, why are you doing this? What is your goal? Cause a lot of times it's, and especially women, it is true by the time they get into all of this. Um, they've they've been so obsessed with dieting or being small because that generally is a, a teenage dream, you know. Um, but by the time they get a, a little bit older um, and and they're moving up in age, they really don't know why they're doing it anymore. They don't have a clue. They're just I know I don't want to be this, or I know that I want control, or um, 
you know, I know that I don't want to look like me anymore or, uh, and, and, and this can be true for, for women who, who do have a, a, a bit more of, of bulk or mass to them and have been just training in the gym and they didn't know why, but you know, they did their bicep curls and they did the leg press machines and they, they kind of went through the circuits and, um, this is what happened, you know, and then, and then there's others who've just been the cardio bunnies, so to speak. And so you get a really wide range there. And I try to tell them, I, I say, who are your role models? Who are people that you look up to? Who are body types that are, are kind of a little bit closer to yours? I, I do talk about height and frame. It, it does matter. Um, you can't, you know, it's kind of like that girl that takes the picture of like, uh, you know, a hairstyle she wants and she takes into the, the salon and they're like, yeah, it's not going to happen. You know, sorry, like that's not you. It's a, literally a different person. So you, you do have to kind of understand. So I try to help them understand. I, I literally get them on Pinterest or on Google and tell them to Google heights and frames. Um, fighters and bodybuilders are great because they're one of the few people out there that have their stats out. You know, they have what they look like at 135 and 57. They have what they look like at these kind of weights, even, you know, if they're depleted with water or this, that, you know, and sometimes it has to be explained, but, um, I try to get them to at least identify that first. And from identifying that most of the time, the women do decide, yeah, no, I do want more muscle. Um, that is a part of what I want. Yeah. I want to be strong. That is a part of the look that I want. And sometimes it's not too. And I want to make it clear that that's okay. Okay. But, um, oftentimes when they actually really identify what they're looking for and they start to kind of pick and choose these angle of things, they see that, um, that weight lifting, um, is, is really always a part of the equation. Um, and you know, and then I also come at it from the health side of things, um, bone density for women, it is an issue, uh, breaks and falls as we age and, and, and stress fractures and these kinds of things, especially from aggressive cardio training and, um, and, and not really having a big emphasis on protein, which people in the weightlifting community usually have more of an emphasis on protein. You know, these kinds of things matter. And it really just opens yourself up into a different kind of a health dialogue. Um, and my frustration with it is that there's been so much emphasis lately in the community about how unhealthy it can all be, you know, how unhealthy cutting for weight, bodybuilding contests lead you into binging and this, that, and the other. And I'm not a big fan of that because that's, you know, it's, it's very much, with anything, you take it too far, or if you don't understand what you're doing with it, it can spin out of control. So I tried to give them control. And I tried to show them that you can do this in a healthy manner, you can control this, it's really just about where you want to go with it. So um, that's a bit how I break it down to clients and people when I'm talking to them. Uh, and and I, I found that it's just overwhelmingly positive. I really like that. Because it's fortunately for myself with my clients, oftentimes, they kind of understand that it's part of parcel of the process so it's more they know it's they need to do it and it's just kind of a case of doing it and getting them to do that but if someone isn't even aware of the fact that they would need to do such a thing um, it's a brilliant actually awareness tool to get them to find physiques and then kind of be like well if you want to get there then this is something that you're going to have to do so I love that the way you've broken that down um, and I think I agree in terms of there always seems to be an extreme black and white towards one or the other kind of being good or bad and it's just a case of kind of there is that shades of gray is always there and it's not a case that it's necessarily bad or wrong and um especially like if you don't want to gain more muscle then yeah you don't need to go through it um it's fine to have your own goal so i thought that was fantastic and i think that gives people actually something they can think about for themselves now they can look at physiques and be like okay and coaches can use that tool so um it's definitely something that i'll, I'll be using in future is there anything you use to 
kind of help women identify kind of take themselves away from the social media pressure of that perpetual deficit the kind of perma cutting and all of those sort of things and um, realize that maybe that's uh, kind of a highlight reel and have more realistic expectations for themselves yeah you know one of the my biggest focus usually with a lot of clients when I start working with them is and I mean, and this is true with any sort of programming that I have set up. Maintenance is a huge part of of my education um, because ultimately, and and I and I think that we touched on this before, but it, it's incredibly important. Is that you know your life should not be about controlling a deficit, being in a deficit, living in a deficit, um, cut, cut, cut all the time. The reason that it ends up being like that so much is because people have a very on and off mentality. You know, um, I find that more than not, people don't really have a problem with deficits. They have a problem with maintenance. Like that's what they end up having the problem with. And so for a lot of these women, for example, you know, they see these bodies they want to achieve and they see the, the level of leanness um, that, that they that they want to achieve. And the first thing that pops in their head and to some degree, rightfully so, is, oh, OK, I have to go into a cut. And it's, it's, you know, automatically, this is life. I'm deprived. It's going to be egg whites and oatmeal and, um, you know, and not the good kind, uh, for like the rest of my life. And that's it. And this is all I have and clean eating only. And, um, obviously there's a lot of work to do still to dispel those kinds of myths. Um, but one of the, one of the things that I try to do with my clients is I explain to them, if they really have a suffering mentality, and I use that in air quotes, but if they have a very dread suffering mentality with deficits and dieting, sometimes our first thing is to go on maintenance for a week, two weeks. Um, and, and I explain to them, you have to enjoy living life. You have to find a dieting approach that really applies to you in your lifestyle. What does that look like? Is it two meals a day? Um, it's, does it involve intermittent fasting? Do you eat a lot at night? Do you eat a lot during the, you know, morning time? It's going to be different for everybody. We can look at timing of studies all we want. We can, but free living, um, personal experience with each one, with each lifestyle, with each variable of activity factors, all of these things matter. So we usually focus on that. And when they're not so petrified that this is life, life is going to be horrible. It's going to be nothing but deficits all the time. When, when they get past that, and they get into the control of it, it can pose its own different problems with procrastination and acceptance of having to do it um, and the drive to do it, which are different kind of psychological factors. But at the very least, they're like, okay, well, I, I can't eat like this. I, I, I can live like this. And, and it, and I, I find that that alone helps really curb that binge mentality of, okay, I'm out of the deficit. Let's binge. Let's take it while I can get it. Um, the client says to me, oh, we're getting ready to start a deficit. I'm enjoying the weekend while I can. I go, no, no, that's the wrong way of looking at it. That's life is still going to happen for you. This isn't death. It's not over for you yet. So, you know, it's, it's really reframing that kind of that mentality of it. Um, and it doesn't seem like that's a, a, a rare or a, a crazy notion, but it, it, in our industry, it's, it's, it's still, um, there's still a victimizing and, um, and, uh, a, a kind of sadness to having to go into the deficit instead of it just being, this is what I do. I've got a goal I've got to get into. I got to go into a cut. I want to do that for me. I want to get leaner. So I try to explain these kinds of things and it really takes away a lot of their neuroticism of deficits and dieting. And it really takes away a lot of that kind of fear mentality 
and it becomes more about control. And that's a very powerful thing when you truly have that. And, and that's true for men, women, anyone who's trying to manipulate body weight. It, it stops being so um, just dramatic and all or nothing and, and hanging on by a thread. And instead, it's just you make a decision here. You make a decision there. It's it's a very surfer attitude way of, of dieting, really. Um, it's very very mellow and relaxed, but it works. It works. Yeah, I think stress-free dieting is always going to win against stressful dieting. Um, I like that approach. I like the, the kind of education behind it isn't something that's just forever. There are breaks that are actually going to be implemented that are going to help you with yes. the process. So yeah, yeah, it's very important to the whole process. No, yeah, brilliant. So I think... That question was really well covered. And we can go on to another one, which you, you touched on a little bit in terms of talking about the older female. Um, and I don't know if um, you kind of want to talk to any of the special considerations you make for any of the people you've worked with in terms of nutrition, whether or not I know like protein intake can be uh, increased when people are older, they can benefit from that. But anything you particularly take into consideration, um, some of the audience were asking about menopause, what impact that could potentially have. Yeah, Um and and it's it's a topic that does doesn't get covered a lot, um, mostly because I I think there's still you know we still have that that line of as we age our metabolism decreases it slows down we are less able to this we're less able to that um, and and it's just this this categorically collective of less 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 so it just gets harder 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 harder. And I think a lot of that narrative is born out of emotional response versus a physiological response. It doesn't mean that there aren't physiological responses that happen or take place. Like, for example, um, for women that are going through peri or um, that are in the midst of menopause and even post, uh, hormonal behaviors are, to put it mildly, for some schizo. I mean, you can go all over the place. Um, anxiety one day, depression, another raging hunger one day, um, uh, prone to, um, uh, more, uh, less bone density, uh, more joint damage, you know, starts to take place. So protein is important, but so is fat. Uh, and, and, um, there's also the, the same kind of psychological ramifications that a woman goes through, um, is, is very similar to what men go through. You know, women lose their hair too. They have problems with these things. You know, women have problems with, with aging and with bouncing back and energy. And when I say energy, I mean more, you know, the kind of, uh, spontaneous energy, um, and emotional energy versus like metabolic energy. Um, so we have all those kinds of things that counter in and play into account. And, because of that, uh, women have a tendency to go, or doctors even have a tendency to go, well, you're getting older, your metabolism's slowing down, these things are happening. But when we look at the actual research and we look at the metrics and numbers, it's not that we don't decrease a little bit with muscle mass, um, and it's not that we don't decrease a little bit with um, metabolic rate and aging, but it's very small. A lot of it is environmental, and you know, especially even with the muscle mass, and, and I'm sure you've seen this a lot with you know, guests on your show or whatnot is that, you know, a lot of muscle mass decreasing has to do with the amount of effort and range that you put into increasing that muscle mass. And what you're really looking at is an overall population mentality. It's almost a belief system. We're getting older, we move less, we're trying less, we're inspired less. And it's a collective belief system of aging that is our biggest problem with metabolic rate um, versus uh, our actual metabolic rate. You know, we have so many factors of control. Um, it's not just the basal, it's not just the resting. We 
we have um, NEPA and 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 um, exercise activity thermogenesis properties. Um, even you know TEF a little bit with how we eat and and those things all collectively add up. And if you see the things that you can control, and you try to modify and work with them. And I find this to be very true with my friends and colleagues that are still very actively in the world at, you know, our aging range. Um, we see very little drops that are incredibly noticeable, um, but we see a massive gain of, uh, of expressed difficulty in our personality. And that's not, it's not to say that it doesn't matter. It it matters, you know, depression and anxiety increase, um, you know, they kind of, they, they research and they study these things, but, you know, essentially there's kind of this like graph of everything that kind of, you know, ebbs up. It, it just kind of does this upwards. Um, and as far as our depression and our anxiety and our response to the world, everything from children to empty nesting, to competitiveness, to dealing with mortality, all of it, right. It's just worse, 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 worse as we age. Um, and we see activity and, um, control and needing to have, um, comfort and food and, and escapism and television, all these things, you know, that goes up or things go down and it collects, it converges to a point. It's a clear point point. We can really see it. So what I tell people is if you're trying to combat that, you have to look at what your individual problems are um, and and try to, in my opinion, get with, if you're a female and you're dealing with menopause issues, get with a good gyno or get with a good, you know, uh, general practitioner, doctor, your, your, your daily doctor, whoever it is, but get with them and make sure your levels are good as much as possible. Your levels are good. If there's something you can control and it's minor supplementary things, there's a lot of scare tactics about, you know, HRT or, um, any sort of aid with that. But, um, if, if there is something that's suboptimal and you can't control it with diet or exercise, don't be afraid to get a little aid. Don't be afraid to get a little assistance. You know, you, you can cycle, you can interchange things. It doesn't have to be for life. Um, you know, just be open to that dialogue and conversation. It's not all shill. You know, I, I'm, I'm not associated with anybody. It's not all shill. You just, you know, just get the help where you can get it and then do the other supplemental things that you can help. Um, you know, a lot of people do take comfort in carbohydrate macronutrient intake, and it's not bad. And I am a huge proponent of carbohydrate intake. But when you do age, um, getting a lot more towards that balance, sometimes that midline of things, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, um, does kind of land you a little bit more in a happier level. And um, we especially find that putting a little bit more emphasis to fats, especially for women, it helps with things like the hair loss, with the skin elasticity. I say even going for the, going for the vain things, you know, the things that that kind of you can see in the mirror, literally, you know, go towards those things for inspiration. Um, uh, we, you don't have to go to hyper crazy protein levels. It does get out of hand sometimes with the recommendations, but um, even if you you just do your bare minimal macronutrients and and you're making sure that you're staying at, you know. Um, um, 0.6 to 0.8, depending upon, uh, what, what type of intense training you're doing. And I would say the more training you're doing, the more protein. Um, and, and I think that that's a collective, we all agree. Um, it doesn't have to be excessive. You, you don't have to be having 150 grams of protein a day. If you're a hundred and, you know, 30 pound woman, uh, it, it's not something that has to take place. That's for, in my opinion, really rigid, restrictive cuts in which you're concerned about that minutia, little bit amount of muscle, um, depletion. And, and, you know, if we're talking about stage competition, cutting and that, 
that. It's different. But um, there are ranges. It doesn't have to be that all the time. You know, when you're in maintenance, you can get away with a little bit more. When you're in deficits, you have to be a little bit more careful. So I know there's a lot of factors, and I know I bounced around a little bit there. But but the overall point is is that there's a lot more in your control and try to maintain your energy levels and your mindset of it a lot more than you're worrying about these really small statistically insignificant factors that um, can go either way for you. Uh, I, and, and I'll just, I'll end on a note that, you know, there's a lot of women in menopause and end up going into hyper, uh, hyperthyroid issues when they're in menopause, their metabolic rate can actually increase. Um, and their hair loss can be from that. Um, sometimes testosterone uh, can increase for some women during those ranges. And it's a great time to build muscle. It just depends. So it's really about talking to you know, your, your gyno or uh, even an endocrinologist, um, you know, whoever it is that you feel comfortable with and getting a continual measure of these ranges, especially if you are someone who competes, um, and you're someone who's trying to, to go into that next level of it. You're not just trying to look good casually, you know, naked. Um, uh, the more that you pay attention, um, to your levels and making sure that they're good, that's the minutia I would worry about more rather than doing, you know, metabolic resting cart machines and DEXA scans, you know, and, and, and worrying about those kind of numbers that can be so arbitrary and are not set up as perfectly as we wish that they'd be. Your blood, you know, your blood, your, your, your actual results and, um, and what optimizes it for you. That's where I'd go. But other than that, it, a lot of it's about mindset. So a bit of a long answer there, but hopefully that covered it. No, I think that was a really nice answer because I think a lot of listeners will be kind of, hopefully will take comfort in that because I think it's a lot like a lot of things in terms of like uh, how how long will it take me to get to this goal or something like that. Whereas it's just, we'll do the processes that will take you to that goal and you'll kind of get there rather than focusing on that goal all the time. Or um, a lot of the time people get into like dieting mindsets and they already downregulate the amount of energy they have and they feel awful. They Their gym performance goes down of a case of mindset. So I think the fact that this is the same sort of thing in many ways is yes. really, really interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're going to find that across the uh, it's really across the board. You know, we look at the perception of the difficulty of what it is to do something. And we talk about that a lot with misdiagnosis um, and um, or the the um, the worry of diagnosis in the health industry. Like, uh, you know, they, they do all these studies and they see that, you know, someone being diagnosed with a problem or an issue affects them, you know, ext- like more negatively, even if it's just the risk of this or risk factors of that. And if you paint this picture in the media um, or in the medical community or even in the fitness industry. Hey, you're aging. Life is over. Everything sucks. Nothing good is going to come for you ever again. This is a youth world. Um, that's not exactly going to make them feel better, feel like that they, you know, can do something. So there is, there's a, there's a a degree of believing in the possibility of things. And of course that comes with limits, but to be perfectly honest, that comes with limits to a 25 year old, you know, female that's, you know, just come out of college and is ready to face the world as it does to a 45 year old woman who's getting ready to approach menopause. There's still limits. We all have them. Um, and it's, I think it's hardest sometimes the most for the people who in their youth had less of them. And then they start coming on. Um, whereas those of us who suffered proud and hard, I'm including myself in this, um, at an early age, we've already been in that battle and we know that it can be rough at any time. And, and I'm, I'm serious when I say that I, I think that sometimes if it's new to you, um, 
and and it's aging happens it can be new to some some people just understand that it's there's still a lot you can do just just don't be hampered by it mm-hmm. and actually on that note i know um when obviously before menopause the period can impact scale weight by quite a large degree yeah yeah is this yeah. now after afterwards do you still get the the same cycles or does it just dissipate um, is the scale more known is that like one kind of silver lining to the menopause yeah it's actually not um water retention and fluctuations and this is an average it's a generalizations but on average um you do collectively hold a little bit more water now it's because you know the rate of pre- Proestrogen um, and estrogen in the body, um, and the ebb and flows of that uh, play with extracellular water. They play with it a lot, and um, you know one of the primarily differences, and this is a good point towards the muscle building. Um, one of the primary differences for men and women is that um, if men usually are playing with a little bit of extracellular water, but they're doing a lot of training, um, and since they do have a tendency to higher testosterone, build muscle mass easier, things like that, it can just go to their pump. You know, it's not like men don't ever deal with water retention either. But if you look at, at categorically how women deal with extra weight and how men deal with extra weight, um, you know, sociologically speaking, it's a very different thing. So if you're a woman who can toss aside some of the scale issues and the physical weight of it and instead literally flex your ass in a mirror and be like you know what on my higher water day it may be a little bigger but it also looks a little firmer and my cellulite is a little decreased like it's a little less um things look kind of more filled out um now this can be hard when you're going for vascularity and you know stage competing kind of stuff it becomes it can be a pain um and there are some women who have just had the misfortune of having to deal with whatever their hormones are going to do right before they step on stage and that's kind of the luck of the draw it's like getting your period before vacation i mean it's it's just one of those kind of things so um it it is a thing that can take place but um again i will say we're talking statistically two to four pounds you know this isn't um this isn't so dramatic um a lot of women think oh well you know i shot up 10 pounds overnight out of nowhere that's a phrase that i hear a lot and um generally speaking how can this be true? Technically, uh, I'll, I'll give like a, a quick little profile. Um, you're a woman who's having a lot of ebb and flow with hormones. Um, your proestrogen or your estrogen is is having um, their fun ebb, ebb and flow cycle during different phases. You decided that you were going to um, have a little bit of an over maintenance eating. Um, and maybe you elected to do that with something that was a little higher in sodium. Um, glycogen pulls the water. You know, sodium is going to, to pull. Um, it's gonna, You're going to store more extracellularly. Um, you are going to have more physical weight from the food, um, itself. And when you start adding up those variables and you start to see how that plays out during the wrong period of your cycle and during the wrong amount of eating at the right time, um, yeah, you can shoot up eight, nine, 10 pounds overnight for no reason, um, air quote. And, um, that's what can take place, but they're, there are always explained factors. There's always explained variables. And um, if if you have a severe problem, you know, you're, you're having localized edema around the, the ankles or around the neck. Um, if, if there's a level of uncomfortability, if you're having pain in lip nodes, that actually can represent a little kind of more complicated hormonal system and usually in the lymphatic area. So, you know, again, this is why I say communicating with your doctors is really important. There can be short-term 
um, water retention methods that um, they can help you with an employee cycle and and keep smart about it. And, and again, I can't stress this enough. If you're a competitor and you're trying to cycle during a time, these are the kinds of things that you can um, safely do. And still, it's still in a natural sense. You know, it's it, you're not you're not messing with um, with anything that is going to kick you out of natural category. By the way, um, with the stuff that I'm talking about, um, you're just maintaining your actual health, and that's it. You're just maintaining your actual health and and making sure that your health is good, and and that's going to ebb and flow from month to month. So yes, you do usually get hit a little bit more with some um, water retention um, overall um, collectively. There are studies with this. It's small though, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that it wasn't there. Um, but you can drive it towards things or partition, you know, towards something that makes you look better or feel better. Um, you know, your face looks less gaunt and you look like you have youth and youthfulness and, and a lot. It, you just don't like that when you're swollen and overeaten. And, you know, it's, it's your, you feel heavy set and, and, and that's a difference being bloated and swollen from overeating and from letting your emotional eating get to you looks incredibly different than having a pumped, trained, partitioned, glycogen driven look. Um, and you just have a little extra water retention. Mm -hmm. So they're very different things. And, um, again, this goes back to control and understanding what's doing what and not being emotionally reactive to it because you don't want to throw crying on top. Of that and then that throws things yeah and, and it's true though because why me why is this happening I don't understand so it's just it's just about keeping really tapped in to what it's all about and and calming down and looking to the science of it and um and just breathing a bit yeah I think having the understanding of kind of scale weight fluctuations and the whys of the sodium and all of those sort of things it's it saves so many people hating on the scale because like so many people put so much emotion into it when it is just weighing how much you weigh. It's not telling yeah. you anything else um, no. apart from your scale weight. So um, no, I think that is a brilliant answer. And I, unless you've got anything more to say on menopause, we can get to the next question, which is uh, strategies uh, to keep females healthy. And we've kind of talked a bit about contest prep. So this is kind of getting yeah. towards stage condition. Is there any strategies you do utilize to try and keep them as healthy as possible? Obviously, um, a lot of female competitors will know and people will have heard stories of losing periods and um, any yeah. strategies to try and keep that stopping as far as possible? Yeah, um, you know, generally speaking uh, with females, the, especially the, the leaner and leaner you get, the you are going to run into problems. And I should caveat and say that you know, I've worked with I've worked with so many women and especially women who are even while they're trying to diet down for stage, you know, competition, they're also still trying to get pregnant. And <laughs> and I do explain to them that, that that's very competing goals. Um, but uh, one of their concerns, though, of course, is not losing their cycle for when they come out of it. And um, and I and I and I will always comment and say that if um, unless you have PCOS um, or uh, you're obese um, or you have uh, usually a more significant amount of weight to lose, um, that the best time for because if you're not fertile in that sense, sometimes losing weight can help you with fertility. But being in a deficit is kind of the last thing you want to do if you're trying to get knocked up. It's kind of not. Um, yeah, because the body senses stress, it messes with the cycle, um, and um, you can have uh, false um, spotting or false uh, ovulation take place. There's just there's a lot of stuff that can that can happen. So, um, I'll just simply say if you're if you're thinking of getting pregnant and that's something you want to do, it, you might 
want to worry about timing it at a different time. Um, but let's say uh, you just generally want to keep your cycle and you generally want to have as less negative uh, effects as possible. Uh, and and I, th- I do think this is true um, in general, that you always do as little as you have to do for fat loss. Um, you always do the least conditioning that you have to do for fat loss. You, you do the least training that you have to do. Um, you put your body underneath the least amount of stress that you can possibly put your body under. And, you know, when people say this, I, I don't think that they get it sometimes. Um, you're literally taking nutrients from your body. You're, you're pulling from stores. That's the point. And you're not just pulling fat, you're pulling everything, you know, you, you pull from your bone, you pull from, you pull from everything that your body has to give to try to supplement and refunction what's, what's happening and what's taking place. That's a very stressful process. Um, and everything gets robbed when you're in a deficit and the leaner you are, the more it gets robbed. And the, the more that it goes into places that you might not necessarily want it to go, the partitioning of what it's going to pull from, um, is a problem. So it's why we say things like, Oh, you know, make sure that you're getting a lot of protein, make sure that your macronutrients are good. Make sure that, um, you know, supplementation is still an argumentative zone, uh, as someone who reacts very negatively to a deficit and whose vitamin stores drop very fast. When I'm in a deficit, I have to supplement with food at mealtime with, um, vitamins. Like I have to, um, I'm also vegetarian. So I will get very sick in a deficit very fast and I will test for negative, um, deficiencies, um, very quickly in a deficit. So I supplement and I have to be careful with what supplements I use because I don't uptake all of them through tablets. So, you know, these things are important, especially if you're someone who's a little bit more plastic bubble, say like me. Um, so supplementing, if it's, it's an issue doing only what you have to do, conditioning only to the level that you have to condition. Um, and even with all that, even having said all that, um, there are some women who still um, can have problems with their cycle and their period um, during a deficit and then cutting in fat. And it can range with body fat percentages as well. It can be as high as 22 and, you know, and it cannot kick in as low as 15. It really, it really depends. And usually I find that this is, you know, it's, it's a stress response. Um, uh, and, and, and particularly the pituitary hypothalamic, you know, and, and it, you just don't know, um, with each individual. But what I found, and again, this goes back to doctors and being in heavy communication with your doctors. If you're someone who has that problem, sometimes once you lose the period, it's really hard to get it back. Um, that can be an issue. And a lot of women don't like getting on the hormones or doing the cycle of the hormones that they have to deal with once they've lost their period. So if you don't have any sort of aggressive genetic family history, if you have a good conversation with your doctor, um, or your gyno, if you know, you're going into a tough like cycle cut and you're really going into that stage competing um competing area you can talk about getting on hrt for the duration of that to maintain your cycle and you can use that um during the time of maintaining your cycle um and then when you get off when when you're done with competing when you go back to eating at maintenance when calories are back at maintenance and not binge refeeding post comp but just normal um you know you can let it mainline for a month or what so and then you could talk to your doctor and say okay you know did my levels look good everything looks good and you can get right back off of it um 
Um, and it can keep you from having an interruption. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a little bit of a mirror. It's a bit of a trick, but it, it does work if you're someone who's noticed that you've had, you know, extra sensitivity. The other thing to say is also do not cut carbs unless you absolutely have to and save it, you know, save all that kind of manipulation to the last. Like if you don't have to do it, don't do it. Um, uh, if you don't play with water before you have to play with water, sometimes someone ever even has to play with water. You know, it, there's all these um, quick fixes that people get into. They do aggressive cardio. They do heavy sweat things. They, you know, they try to cut out the carbs. They get frustrated because they're not seeing results. So they start to take things away. Um, and then sleep diminishes. Water retention comes on from that. You know, like if you just maintain a healthy lifestyle during the course of your of your cut, even when it gets really aggressive, lots of sleep, um, meditation and breathing baths, just taking care of yourself. Um, you will be offsetting the, a lot of the stress aspects. Um, and, and that's, you know, too, that's happening to your body. So if you do these kinds of things, um, and you focus on these minutia, non crazy, uh, unedgy kind of protocols, but they really are, <laughs> they really do work. You'll have, um, less, you know, macronutrient deficiencies. You'll have less vitamin deficiencies. You'll have less recovery need and strain. You'll have less water retention from excessive exercise or lacking of sleep and call me crazy. But when you put all that together collectively, that person is going to look better too. Um, so if I can appeal to anything, I appeal to your vanity you know, do only what you have to do, take it slow and, um, try to avoid as much as possible the fast track to that, because you might, you might get lucky and you might have a good comp out of it. I've seen women do it all the time and then they try to do it the next comp and they end up blowing up 20 pounds. And you know, it, 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 you might get lucky once, but if you keep trying to skirt your health, it's going to catch up to you. And with women, it really, um, Mother Nature has a way of just kicking you like hard um, in that way. Um, you know, guys get it different. You know, they get issues with libido or they get issues with, um, you know, other aspects of things or, you know, they all of a sudden switch to being hard gainers. Um, and, you know, the, those kind of processes take in. But women get their own problems and they usually come in form of water retention and erratic emotions, which leads to binge eating and everything else. So do only what you have to do and take care of yourself, um, you know. And it might not seem that edgy, but it, really the only time that you're ever getting into crazy protocols and, and kind of some weird manipulations is towards the end. And, you know, as you probably, you know, experienced yourself, that kind of first time of manipulating with that and cutting that kind of stuff, playing with your vascularity, how much carbs you need, how much you don't need, how much water you got to, you know, keep, how much you got to let go, you know, th that stuff right at the end you know it best your second and third time and fourth time out, you know, and you just got to keep playing with it um, sometimes and it, and it can be different. So just not getting hyper-focused on somebody else's crazy, you know, cut deficit manipulation protocol and really learn your own. Um, it's very important. No, fantastic. And I think uh, a lot of what you said there, you can actually just kind of copy and paste it and put towards men in many yes, ways. Yes, of course. Um, and well, I think that's really nice. I just would say, I guess, and a lot of females probably agree that you just, or at least people who have coached females, you just have to almost be a little bit more soft with a lot of things. Guys can take kind of bigger deficits. You can be a bit more aggressive with their physiology and they respond a little bit better to it generally. Whereas women just, you need that little bit more of a soft approach. 
Yeah. And it depends too. You know, I have a lot of male clients that have come to me and, you know, and this is why I like to caveat and say, this is a general thing to say. I mean, there's some women, you could beat the crap out of them. They're fine too. Um, it's just, generally speaking, our bodies were made to carry children. I mean, I I know that we don't like to talk about that kind of thing right now, the differences of gender and the differences sexually between us. But I mean, there are physiological differences that we have to take into account. And, you know, their bodies think, oh, it's a time of stress, can't have child, can't feed something. That is a part of the process that our bodies care about. Um, whereas, you know, your guys's body is, you know, Oh, can't defend, can't have sex, can't procreate, you know? So, you know, you may sexually not perform and we may reproductively not perform. It's these little, they add up, you know, and, and you can see where it is, but, um, it, it's just, it's going to paint its brush in a different spectrum and you guys can get away, um, with a little less body fat automatically. And you're also bigger. So you can play with things a little bit faster on average. Uh, and those kind of negative effects don't necessarily come in for everybody, but I definitely work with guys that, um, even at higher body fat levels than one would think start to hit problems, you know, with their thyroid or with their testosterone. And it's a thing. It's just, um, it's just, what our commonalities are. It's what our generalizations and what we normally know. Um, and it's just a good rule of thumb. And yeah, you do have to be a little bit more delicate with those kinds of things. And so, you know, getting with, especially getting with fem, you know, if, if you're a female competitor and you're going into that, it's not to say, Oh, only work with females. Um, but getting with, even in a support group sense, like on Facebook or something, getting with female competitors that understand these kinds of things. Oh, did this happen during your cycle? Um, you know, did you experience this? Did you experience that? What did you find was better for you? Yeah, I didn't cut my carbs at all. Or, you know, I only waited until like, you know, the, you know, a couple, like four days in or or what have you. And then I started manipulating with things. I have my salt here. I did that, you know, and I was fine. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it really is going to vary. Um, everyone has a different level of sensitivity to all these things. And yes, that is true for guys too. But women, I do find, especially with the conditioning um, and the heavy cardio and things of that, you really got to not mess with that as much as possible. And I'm not saying that it's just all low intensity fat loss and there is no such thing as doing any sort of cardio, but you, you just got to play with it smart. Mm-hmm. No, I'd, I'd agree with everything you said though. I've, I've seen some really big individual differences in males and females and i'm sure all the listeners are probably um know people who have been very extreme towards where they are and things like that so i think that's really interesting and i don't know if um i know there's not much research on it but if you do use any different strategies in terms of like do you use refeeds into in a contest prep phase or diet breaks and do they generally Uh is there a rule of thumb of a difference towards males there are they more frequent um i yeah, I mean, guys, you know, it, it, and there there isn't a lot of research. Um, you know, everyone talks about the Matador study. And what, you know, we usually look at or what I've always liked to look at is instead of looking at all the starvation studies per se, um, and instead of, instead of looking at it from just that aspect of those kind of like extreme things, I just like to look at normal hormone profiles. Um, I like to look at normal h- hormone profiles, especially for those in deficits and kind of, you know, what happens and who's responding to what um, in body types and, and, and things like that. So when you look at at those kind of profiles and you see kind of who responds and and you do have this kind of collective checklist, you know, um, uh, for example, 
you know, hard gainers or guys that have a little bit of a hard time putting on muscle mass, um, but don't seem to have a hard time going into cuts. Um, there's also psychological profiles. These guys tend to have uh, a lot of uh, natural energy. They, they have, a lot of them have ADHD. A lot of them have anxiety. A lot of them have the uppers of life, if you will. They do, you know, they have, they have naturally higher uppers and they have naturally natural more issues with neuroticism or, um, or, you know, and, and I don't mean neuroticism isn't just like crazy, but just, you know, erraticness, um, with your physicality of like body. So you have these kind of like profiles, right. And that's the kind of guy who, you know, can give you and give you and give you and give you everything in a deficit. I mean, he can just keep going and keep going and keep going and he can just rev and rev and rev, but then he will hit a wall. And when he hits a wall, it's bad. Um, and usually he takes a lot longer to recover. There's tendencies to dip into like adrenal issues and, and I don't mean fatigue, but like actual physical, um, uh, issues that, you know, show up on tests and, and, um, uh, excessively high cortisol or, um, you know, moving from hyperthyroidism into hypothyroidism and, um, you, you can mess with people. It doesn't mean it's metabolic damage. It doesn't mean they can't come out of it, but it does mean that you, you are doing something physical to the body and it's important to take measure of that. So, you know, I, I do find that there are types of people and types of individuals in which that you can kind of press harder that can go harder and they're ones that are not. So, um, if an individual has a tendency towards kind of the upper, and this is true for female or male, um, kind of the upper energy of things where they can go and go and go. Um, I, even though they might be having better results faster, I usually make them have breaks more um, because they can end up like winding down in this like instantaneous crash. Um, and uh, it's almost like they, they kind of, you know, spark into a little bit of mania, you know, it's like, you know, they just go boom into that. And then it's like instant, like depression and just everything falls and they have nothing left to give. And it's like a little mini body nervous breakdown. So I make sure that if someone can give and give and give like that, we argue about breaks. I'm doing so good. I'm, I'm whatever, like I'm, I'm doing fine. And it's like, yeah, no, I get that. But, you know, I, I want to make sure to keep these timed breaks. And you, you do. You have to associate that with momentum. And you have to make sure that they're still, you know, excited about their, like, level of results. And so planning is really important. And that's where this becomes a psychology, like, counseling game. Um, but you really do. You, you kind of have to stick to your guns. And you have to explain to them why you're sticking to their guns. And, 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 and just make sure that you're keeping that dialogue of communication open. Um, with a lot of people that tends towards, let's say, the other side, the kind of slothy, malaise, depression-y kind of side of things, you know, higher estrogen, lower testosterone, lots of lack of energy, lots of get up and go, lots of malaise, you know, and, and they get hit very hard with neat and, and, um, and a deficit, you know, um, the, you have to really make sure that they're collective steps or the collective daily variables are in play and they don't change. And that, um, anything that kind of shifts that outwards is you, you basically bump it. You make sure that you're there to like intersect and make sure that you, you don't let that get in the way of what it is they're doing. So if you can play at that game, um, usually I keep their, they have less brief feeds um, because also tendency they they tend to maybe lose at a quote unquote less noticeable pace and they have higher water retention. Um, but physiologically or metabolically rate, they're not usually lowering from like a resting or basal sense where they want to lower or kick in is in a neat sense, you know, in a they're going to chill harder. They're going to relax harder. So that's the kind of person that's like, I don't understand. I'm training five or six days a week in the gym. Why am I not losing weight? Yeah, well, you're crashing on the couch because your malaise response 
response is making up for everything else that you're doing. So it's keeping them low grade active all the time (laughs) and making sure that that variable doesn't change. Um, and since they have a lot more water retention issues, usually because, you know, if you have higher estrogen, you're going to have more water retention issues. Or um, if your thyroid production tends to get a little skitzy and you can enter into Hashimoto's or, you know, any sort of autoimmune issue, like any of that that comes into play, if it's one of those, um, there's a lot of cloaking that can happen. So momentum is really important for them. They may feel run down. But they might not necessarily be run down in a technical metabolic sense. So sometimes I space out the refeeds between them a little bit longer um, and try to get them any sort of motivation from seeing numbers or seeing changes or seeing results because it can literally be one day hell has come to earth, everything is terrible, they're depressed, they want to die, nothing is working as much as they do, and then they wake up after like a good pee, and then they're like on top of the world, and they're like, no, you know, I'm really glad I stuck with this. So it's kind of about sticking with it. So, you know, and and this is going to be true for how lean they're getting in any diet phase. So um, I just kind of play with those two things, um, and a lot of it is going to depend on their tendency to binge or get into maintenance or fall off the track or what have you. And, um, and you will find that a lot of it is really tied to energy levels naturally. So if you're a coach and you're kind of, you know, you're, you know how to read people and you're used to reading people or yourself and, um, you know, that that's a thing you can kind of play with that, um, based upon even just energy levels and, and what people kind of give you, because you're not going to see that on a Fitbit per se, you know what I mean? I mean, you will in certain ways, but you're not going to see it in black and white and you might not always even just see it in tests. It's, it's, it's almost a, a kind of an empathetic like read and, and kind of like feeling that. So I think that it's really good to, to, to gauge your clients like that and respond in those ways. No, I, I like that. And it, it reminds me, well, an analogy I'd kind of thinking about was it's kind of how fast you running out of gas are you driving a bit faster you're running out you need to refuel sooner other people are more slow and they're just ending up refueling later and um something we do with our online coaching actually is we take video logs and part of that especially for contest prep and sometimes we have scheduled in skypes as well is actually you can see with some people that i'm surprised sometimes how fast they're talking and how kind of um, yep. but then there's other people who will start even slurring words or they'll yep. be in the middle of an update and they're like, sorry, oh I've completely forgotten yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and no, and, and that lets you know what the deficit does to people. Um, and, and also just generally speaking in a way who those people probably are, um, and, and, and a lot of their makeup, which again, is why I get so you know fascinated by the psychology of it, because I do find that it, it really does integrate. Um, and so you can set it up and phase it appropriately, which is why generally speaking, we can give general textbook answers as much as possible. But when we're working one-on-one with our clients, you know, we really got to make those calls sometimes and, um, and just do the best we can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the uh, the final question I have for you, Lee, is considering uh, post-show. And I don't know if you have a certain approach that you take uh, specifically. Maybe it's the same for males and females, but if you want to approach that, um, is it different or is it the same? How do you approach that kind of post-show period with your competitors? Yeah, um, post you know, uh, everyone has different protocols for it, obviously. And I I feel... And maybe this is, I don't mean it to be a cocky statement, but I feel if you do a really good job going in, the coming out 
is pretty easy. Um, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I feel like if you, if you do a good job with educating your client or as the client yourself, educating yourself about what to do going in, you saw what it took to get that lean. Um, it should be, uh, controlled, moderate, non-aggressive and non-extreme as much as possible. It is extreme with, you know, let's be clear. It is extreme in the aspect of like, you're getting to low body fat levels, levels that you have to realize you cannot maintain. Um, because also it's not even just body, it's depletion. Everybody loves it when they're depleted, you know, every, well, you know, not unless you're, you're having really hard time with gains and you're like, where's my pump. But you know, most people, most people are happy when they wake up in the morning after a deficit day and they're depleted, you know? Um, so one of the first things with male or females, we wrap their head around what's realistic, what you can keep, what you can't keep, what's the, the weight regain that will happen. It's going to happen. It, you got to wrap your head around the fact that it's going to happen and, you know, make it very clear. You're not going to look like this. You're not going to look close to this all the time. Um, and, um, and of course, and I would say there are different levels of extreme to that because there are some guys that I know that really walk around at near comp levels like almost all the time. And, you know, they have a different kind of metabolic rate. And these are usually high energy guys. And, um, and, and you know, they can kind of get vascular anytime they want. So I, I will caveat and say there are exceptions. But for a lot of people, when they put the sodium back on and the carbohydrates back on and things like that, you are going to plump up. You're going to be uh, a lot less vascular and a lot less defined. And so first wrap your head around that as far as how fast or how slow to do it. It really depends on how much you manipulate it at the end. Um, if you got panicky or if things didn't go right in your cut and you started playing a lot with sodium, you started playing a lot with water, you played a lot with carbohydrates and things like that. And, and you tried to manipulate things kind of too hard, much like a fighter. Um, they're very similar worlds. Um, then I do tell people, Okay, you might need to ease it in a little slower. Um, and make sure to watch your electrolytes. Uh, and 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 it's just it's just uh, we're not talking weeks here. We're talking a couple days. You know, we're just talking. Take it a little slow. Don't go into any crazy post binge like feeds and things like that. You of all people, and it's going to be the hardest for them because they're going to feel the most run down. So. It's just about taking it slow and just being about, you know, nibble it back in with the carbohydrates, with the water, with the electrolytes, potassium and sodium and calcium and magnesium, like all of it. Like make sure that you're bringing that back in and kind of pacing it much like if you were hospitalized for dehydration um, and, you know, much in that kind of manner of you're replacing fluids that you lost and you have to keep that in mind. Um, if you didn't just lose glycogen and physical food weight. You know, if, if you lost a lot more than that, if you lost a lot of water and you lost a lot of electrolytes and, um, uh, and, and minerals from your body, then you need to ease into that. But let's say, hopefully you went about it in a really smooth and simple process. It was pretty moderate. You're not too water deficient. You're not too glycogen deficient and everything's good. You really kind of just get back to maintenance. Um, you get back to maintenance and, you know, um, the rate of your metabolism and how much it's going to bounce up will it's going to vary from person to person. Um, the smaller you are, you're depleted, the less you eat, the less you burn, you know, all of these kind of things take into place. If you're really concerned about regaining post, um, you know, uh, being in a deficit, can you take it a little bit slower and kind of have an increment of, you know, increasing your calories a little bit by hundreds here and there? Um, 
And when I say by hundreds, I mean, let's say that you assume your deficit is uh, you've been going at like a, a 25 or a 35 percent or something like that. You can move into a 15 and then you can move into a five and just kind of watch it. But the more you eat, the more you burn and, you know, you can kind of get there faster. But also the more that you eat and the more that you burn and the more that you store, the more glycogen you're going to retain as well. The more that the physical food is going to show on you. Not a bad thing, but you have to kind of play with that, right? And how you like your look. So I'm just kind of being aware of that and not panicking at the scale and um, moving at a pace that most of the time has to do with psychological, Mm -hmm. not physiological. Most of the time it has to do with psychological because if you did it smart, your physiological should be fine. You know, your metabolism should be fine. You're you're going to increase a little bit in body weight. You're going to increase a little bit in TEF. You're probably going to get more energy increase, a little bit more in your your unconscious movement. And um, so in all those things, you'll get a little bump you know, from, from your metabolic rate. And that's great. Uh, and, um, if you're not too worn out and if you didn't run yourself down too much, you shouldn't be too malaised or fatigued. So you should feel more energy. You should be able to get a good training session and things should go relatively smoothly. And that is generally what I have an experience with, with the people that I work with contest prep. Um, the only time it, it really becomes a problem is if you really drained yourself. So, I hope that answers the question. Um, and, um, and, and, and I will be honest, it is different between natural and unnatural. You know, there I'm, I always kind of answer towards the natural answer, um, a way of thinking, uh, there are incredibly big differences, but it's not my scene. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I know enough to know that there are things to know. Um, but that's kind of, I stay out of that zone. That's fine. Our, our podcast is generally a natty podcast. Yeah, anyway, I mean, so I, I'm not against good. it. I'm, no. but, you know, just, <laughs> just saying it's it. There are some differences with like you know when you dose things and you know you, you yeah. you're gonna say you know and so that that's going to be different. But that's not really you know I know the zone, but I I don't use it with my clients. So no, that sounds great, and I I actually completely agree in terms of if you have a well planned and thought out kind of pre-contest prep your post should be a lot smoother Um, and it is a lot of the time people talk about it being harder and I don't think it is harder from a physiological thing because you're actually reintroducing things and you're being more energetic it's the psychology that's really difficult and like you said finding the approach that suits the person um, and just entering them into that period of time and do you have a kind of a body fat that you ever kind of want a client to get towards? Because obviously those extreme levels of body fat are probably not something that we want to sustain. Do you try and get them to an appropriate and kind of what are your cutoff points? Yeah, I mean, obviously one, and it goes without saying, it depends on the client's goal, um, you know, and what it is that they want to look like. Um, some clients really do not like what they look like at lower body fat levels. And if we're ever talking to a, a female in the menopause zone, you know, your face gets gone or you're your ass may be a little flabby at 18% body fat, but your face is looking good. So you got to trade off. Sometimes it's like that, you know? Um, so it's really going to be, uh, about how you can kind of gauge that importance of things. Um, like we talked about with the cycle and the health and things like that. Um, if you're in a place in which that you're, there are issues with Greenland leptin. There are issues with hunger signaling. Um, uh, there, there are issues in which that we, we still are learning so much about what is an adipose tissue and especially the hormone signalers and regulators. We, you know, it's, it's kind of fascinating. We're still kind of learning about the quote unquote mind of that. And, um, we don't know everything yet. And, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that for certain women, um, or men at certain body fat levels, um, 
and who's to say how much of it is a psychology and how much of it is physiological? Um, I, I have more room to eat. So I want to eat, you know, set point, mental set point is a very complicated thing, right? And anyone that has finite numbers on it, wrong because it's there's so many variables to it that you just you can't make that call um so this goes back to individualization um so you know what your set point is i can say here are some factors i would look at insomnia um cycle for a female libido you know whether or not you're having um an easy time in that department for men or women um you know energy levels uh, depression or malaise that's outside of your norm, anxiety that's outside of the norm. Um, other, th- other factors too, is how much you can react to medications or caffeine that you might be using. You know, if, if you're getting a drive off of things a lot harder than you used to, then it probably means that, you know, your, um, body fat level and your nutritional requirements might require less medication. So you might need to change your dosages with your doctor. She saw all these like kind of things can throw curveballs at you. So the lifestyle you lived at say 22% body fat might be a very different lifestyle than even 18. And you have to be aware of that and how much you want to compromise that or enjoy that or how much is safe for you. Um, cause sometimes it's just adjusting your maintenance. And it's just adjusting, you know, medication dosages or uh, carbohydrates might need to be a little bit lower and fats might be a little bit higher. Um, You know, training might need to be, uh, you know, broken into upper lower splits versus a lot of aggressive full bodies with hit sessions. You know, it's all kinds of it's playing with that kind of stuff. Um, But, you know, if there are screaming uh, physiological factors at play um, and that can include, you know, mental stuff, uh, then I would. I would kind of have that conversation with yourself and go, okay, you know, maybe I do live a life where I'm between photo shoots and I'm between things and I know what that means. And you just know that there's some weeks that, um, you might not be as comfortable, um, internally or mentally as, as, as you wish you could be, but you should have the power to know, well, I can just do a little mini cut and, you know, or I can just manipulate here. I can manipulate a little water or carbohydrates and then call it a day and, you know, like a little bit how I look if there's a situation in which that requires it. How much of that should you say screw it to? Because I'm me, I'm doing me, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, that's a different conversation. But my important thing is to have the power, have the control. Who cares the reason? That's up to you. But to know that you can do it. Um, So, you know, some of my clients, when they're done, they can sit at very high body fat levels. They like the way that they look a little chunky um, with some muscle underneath and some fat on them. And that's men or women, you know, like, you know, some of my male clients like Hugh Jackman, you know, like on his like buffed up beach phase off season, you know, like that's what they like. And, you know, some like just completely vascular. I want to see every bit of my quad, you know, and, um, you just, you just try to play with that. Um, you just got to look at those health markers and, and mess with that as much as possible. And, um, and just, and just kind of go from there. Yeah. There's a lot of factors at play there. And I guess even there's a time element as well in terms of like Mm -hmm. how long post have you given it a chance? Yeah. Um, Some people might think they need to get a certain body fat. And that's the same with tests too, by the way, you, you don't want to take the tests until, you know, just not to interrupt you, but you know, you, you want to wait to do tests until you're at a a solid post refeed because you're going, you know, you can present symptoms of hypothyroidism and low testosterone during an aggressive deficit. Um, and it just means that you're not eating enough. It doesn't necessarily mean you're, you know, broken. So, you know, it's just timing is really, it is, it's really important. And it's just, 
um, we, they rush it, you know, clients, uh, you know, people rush it. And, and we just, I think a good thing that we can do is kind of reel it back in. Yeah. Just, you know, just calm down. Let's just take a month of feeding, take a month of the, you know, like just let it move at its pace. Yeah. Um, and this bodybuilding, you know, and, and people forget that, you know, it's, you cannot do this in like 30 days. It, you, you know, it, it's bodybuilding. You're, you're composing and designing on your body. It's an amazing process. You got to slow down a little bit. And, um, you know, we live in a P90X kind of infomercial mm-hmm. world and, and that's what it is, but yeah, slow down and the timing of it. Very good point. Um, that that's, it's really important. Excellent. No, I think that was really well covered. And I think we've been about an hour. So I want to thank you massively for your time, Lee. And I'm sure the audience have massively enjoyed this. And yeah, just if people want to reach out to you, I know uh, you've been posting a bit more on Instagram lately. I'm getting a bit more (laughs) active over there. Uh, Hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully more. Yeah, yeah, hopefully more. Where where do people want to find you, Lee? Um, my name, leepill.com. Um, and uh, I'll direct you from there, but you can, you can find my Instagram there. Um, good luck ever finding me on Twitter, but I am there. Uh, and, uh, you know, Facebook and what, and what have you. And I, I do have, I do do, you know, personal, um, I do work with clients and I do have group coaching for those that can't afford to work with me one-on-one and you can find out about all that there if it's something you're interested in. Excellent. Thank you very much. And thank you guys for listening.